Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show Welcome into episode number 312 of the Black and Gold podcast. It's great to have you here with us. Uh, Steve Forney hosting as uh, as well as Mark Allred, who is always with us as well. Mark, uh, it's good to see you again. A weekly thing. How you been? How's the week been treating you? Uh, good. I mean, uh, for Bruins content, it's uh, it, it's nothing short of uh, fantastic. Uh, this wagon just keeps going. Um, personally, I, I finally joined the Corona Club. I, oh, I no. yeah, I over the um, New Year's, I was not feeling good on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, my wife was just like, Jesus, I don't know, Mark. I, 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 I think we just got to go take a test. And, and I've, I've tested before several times, actually, because of my work. And so I'm, I work in a building with a lot of people. So uh, that's pretty common. Uh, but I took a test and. And yeah, I got it. And it was uh, it was a pretty difficult couple days. I'd say uh, three, four days last week were pretty, pretty bad. Uh, just real cold and and hot and just like, you know, I felt like an old lady on menopause. It, it was really bad. <laughs> well, that sucks. But uh, you feeling better? No, though, things now? It, yeah, I've, I'm getting better. You know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, a lot of water. Uh, this episode is sponsored by H2O, um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just a lot of water uh, medications uh, from uh, CVS and, you know, my dad really helped out because we, you know, I have to isolate and so on just for five days. Uh, I, I couldn't go back to work. So basically I had to use vacation time this week, but things are getting better. Um, you know, we both tested positive, actually, my wife, Courtney and I, so we're both getting a little better. We're ready to get back to work because 
I mean, um, I, I always, always like, you know, oh, wow, it's kind of cool to have the flu and just hang around at home all day. But it's really not that fun. It no, really not. is not that fun. And um, and you got to be careful, too. I mean, I I now know two people that since they got COVID are now allergic to beer, which is not great. And <laughs> I uh, I personally, I still have uh, issues with my heart rate. So, I mean, I'm 36 oh, and I'll be sitting here doing nothing. And all of a sudden my heart rate will spike to like 140, 150. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? So, damn, there's some lingering stuff, too. You just got to kind of keep your eye on for the next, you know, couple months at least. It's it's weird. We're two and a half years into this thing. We still can't figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I was I was fortunate to, like, avoid this, I mean, especially in the uh, the height of uh, the uh, the whole uh, Corona thing. Uh, but you know, Hey, we move on, but how was your week? Uh, I know you've been real busy at the T-Birds a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Busy week of school. And then, um, yeah, last night we had the throwback night. So we, we busted out the 90, 94 Falcons jerseys. Um, yeah. and, and just real quick, I, we auctioned them off post game right on the ice. And with all my interactions of hockey players over the years, it seems like there's, they're either super nice or they're huge dicks. And I would say it's probably about a 93 to seven ratio. 93% of these guys are so nice. Uh, they're willing to talk to fans, sign autographs, um, be with the people, treat other employees within the organization with respect. And um, it's always a good reminder to me, you know, how nice these guys are. I mean, they're, you know, I, each one of them comes up and they shake my hand. How you doing? You know, like, um, they got a good group of guys there in Springfield. And I know it's not just in Springfield hockey guys just seem, like I said, 93% of them are just an absolute pleasure to deal with, to interact with. So, um, uh, another sellout crowd. So I'm, I'm proud that the, the, you know, Springfield's and the management and the team that they put together in the marketing department, the ticket sales reps, they're just, they're great people. We got sold out buildings. You know, when I started, we had 1,100 people in the building, and we were last place, and now it's it's the total opposite. So um, tip of the hat to the players, the team, the organization. They, they pulled it off well. Yeah, that team is really – and we both follow the AHL uh, thoroughly. I cover the Providence Bruins, and obviously you're the, the PA voice for the, uh, the, the Springfield Thunderbirds. But that team in the past two or three years has really turned around. You know, uh, St. Louis has really done a good job of uh, getting prospects down there, some really well-known ones, and ones that are driving fans into the, into the building. So, you know, um, but I'm going to tell you, Steve, I'm not a fan of your T-Birds. So we might we might have a little difference here on the whole, you know, Providence and freaking uh, Springfield yeah. thing, because it is an Atlantic Division rival. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and to be honest with you, for the past couple of weeks, I really enjoyed having you uh, having you aboard. So I appreciate that. Wouldn't it be nice to have a, a nice little uh, a nice little playoff series between Providence and Springfield? And then, you know, in the springtime, yeah. I'll have to have Absolutely. you out here. I'll have to go down there. We'll uh, we'll make it make it make fun of it. I'll have to get a room over the MGM grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's funny, even Providence, when Providence comes to town, it's different for me because, again, I'm in a weird spot because I'm a Bruins fan, you know? So right. when Providence comes to town, I, I spend most of my time watching Jack Ashan and Lizell and Beecher, and, you know, I'm not really paying much attention to my own guys. But um, uh, it's a unique spot, certainly. And it's, uh, it's good to be, like I said, it's good to be 10 minutes from home. You know, I love nice. doing the games in Boston, but... It's just so far and that, you know, a 10 minute commute, having my family, having extra family time, extra school time. Uh, we kind of can't beat it. So I'm in a good spot, you know? Absolutely. Well, it's um, good to hear a good, you had a good week. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, and again, it's just it's been a long one. It feels like the Winter Classic was forever ago. Um, but what a uh, what a great day! What a good day for hockey! What a good day for Bruins fans! What a good day for the team! Uh, what were some of your initial takeaways, Mark, from uh, from the Winter Classic last Monday? Uh, just an unbelievable experience. I mean, obviously, I was not there. I was home, uh, you know, resting. And uh, but I watched on TV and it was it was really good to see all the folks on Twitter that I hang around with uh, downtown Boosie, Nick Busa. He was there and our own Mike Sullivan um, from Black and Gold Productions. Uh, he was there as well. Um, and I just saw all the tweets and the pictures and the videos and stuff like that. And it just seemed like a very surreal moment for a lot of fans. And and so many people would just like, you know, I've come here for Red Sox games on a regular and I've never heard this stadium that loud and that speaks volumes you know um one of the highlights was uh john henry getting booed that was just amazing that was amazing you know uh but the game itself the uh the atmosphere just a just an unbelievable um thing for the league i really enjoy these outdoor games regardless if the bruins are involved or not um it's a good revenue uh for the the city i'm, I'm sure the the foot traffic in boston was really good for millions and millions of dollars uh, being generated around the local economy. Um, the, the game was good. I was actually surprised that the ice conditions were a lot better than, you know, than, than predicted, but this, these are the types of things that the NHL prepares themselves for is to get that, you know, that almost perfect ice for outdoor activities. The game, it was a little boring to begin, you know, it was just, it, it was more of a, like a feel out process, you know, like, like, hey, we're here. Both teams are here. We, we, you know, we have to find where we're gonna get that gap to like really expose each other. And that came later on in the in the game with, you know, obviously Jake Dabrowski comes in with two big goals, and uh, and Linus Almec was just an amazing, um, amazing goaltender, starting goaltender in that game. But yeah, I, overall, I really enjoyed what I saw on TV, uh, regardless of who covered it, TNT or whatever. I, I just really liked watching all the camera views really enjoyed the um the uh drone coverage uh yeah that was going awesome. around that was That's so great. cool man um it was good to see Zidane Chara, Bobby Orr and uh obviously Johnny Busick some of the old-time Bruins uh in the house and you know the overall game was just really good and you know the uh the uh the home winning still happens even though they weren't at home yeah right right I um it it was there were, it was a little, there were some things that were a little quirky. Um, I could tell it seemed like the broadcasters just couldn't see anything. And I, everyone was kind of, um, uh, was kind of beaten up on them a little bit, but I think they just, I think they were put in a spot where, you know, they're, I picture them just kind of wincing going who the, you know, passing it though. Who the hell's that guy? You know, um, it seemed like maybe they had a tough view there and you're right. It took, they always say that the goalies have the hardest time adjusting to the outdoor game, but, uh, Omar kept them in the beginning of that game. Uh, the first period, they they were skating around like it was five Hal Gills out there, and I don't know if they were just trying to find their way, or they they couldn't get used to it, or it was, uh, you know, it just it looked like somebody playing a video game for the first time. It was like they didn't know what what to do or how to do it. Um, but then it seemed like the sun went down, and it was it was a whole different team. So I don't know if it was if it was that just adjustment period. It didn't seem to me like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just seemed faster, I guess, in the first period and a half. Um, 
And then, I mean, and then Jake DeBrusque leaves, comes back, scores two goals. We find out he's got a broken leg. I mean, that is badass. So, um, uh, and you know, it sucks. We're going to be lose him for four weeks, but what a, what a, what a gutsy performance by him. Um, Definitely one of the more entertaining Bruins uh, ones I've seen. I think if I ranked them, that Lake Tahoe game was, was awesome. Um, That game they played at Gillette against Montreal was terrible. (laughs) They played awful in that game. Uh, It was a mess. So I put this one probably somewhere right in the middle. Um, You know, I thought that kind of the first puck pitch, was a little strange. Yeah. I kind of yeah, wish I wish Veritech had a mask on because I really wanted to see Bobby Orr just kind of wind back and really fire one at him. <laughs> but um, I'm sitting there watching it going, he's not going to shoot the puck at Jason Veritech, is he? <laughs> he is. He's going to shoot the puck at Jason Veritech. So I was hoping he was going to kind of put a little more mustard on it. But um, I, I I agree with you. Overall, I think it was, uh, it was a win for hockey. It was a win for Boston. It was a win for Bruins fans. Um, it was a win for Pittsburgh. You know, I just think it was uh, it was a great day. It was a great game. It was nice to see the Black Keys there. I always think the Black Keys were kind of cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, just just an absolute home run. And quite frankly, my biggest takeaway is I think they should start doing this for the like All Star games. Yeah. I think the All Star games should be in should be outdoors. The All Star you know skills competitions and all that stuff they do throw those things outdoor too. Why not? Um, that would be pretty cool because because again, it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything right in the grand scheme of things so guys can really go out there enjoy themselves take it all in nothing on the line um they can go out there and have some fun so um yeah that was that was a blast and and like we were talked about last week it's so nice that they were able to go um to go out out west right after that you're able to go out west sort of reset yourself recalibrate and so far so good two for two on the uh on the west coast yeah, I was actually um, surprised about the uh, the LA Kings game on Thursday. Um, I, I I I had a feeling the Bruins were going to win, but, but it's that West Coast travel that you just really don't know how a coach like uh, Jim Montgomery or, or defensive coach John Gruden are going to get these guys up for travel like that because it is it takes a lot out of you. I've heard several several hockey players say that. Those West Coast trips, those trips are fun, but they're also really grueling on the body when you're an athlete, you know? Sure. Even when you're not. Um, but yeah, it was good to just like take that experience from the Winter Classic and move into uh, a three-game roadie out in the Cal- out in California. Uh, a big win for the uh, for the Boston Bruins. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about a, a certain individual later on, but uh, yeah, I mean, five to two out in LA. I, I thought it was a really good game. Jeremy Swayman, I thought played uh, really uh, good, but then again, he's he's another another game that he's giving up the first goal. Um, oh, actually, that was I'm, I'm that's wrong. That first goal that he gave up wasn't not his fault uh, because it was uh, one of the uh, we're in the back of Gretzky's office and it just came out front to a guy that's you know you you. You don't have time in to get to get to get across the crease to make a stop like that. But um, no, I mean, overall, I just thought it was a really good game. And uh, what a way to kick off the uh, the three game California trip. But man, these freaking late night games are killing me. I mean, even last night, it was Saturday night. You know, I got home at 1045 from uh, from Springfield, which was great, like perfect. And by the end of the second period, I was I was borderline asleep in my lazy boy. I just couldn't even. I couldn't make it through. Um, 
And especially that Thursday night on a, on a, on a school night, it was just, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it, but, um, and I was upset because of the guy that we're going to talk about Trent Frederick, the Trent Frederick period for crying out loud. Um, it's great to see him getting things done and, you know, putting all that stuff aside that you mentioned the gruel of the West coast trip. I, I don't care if you're playing West coast, East coast, or you're playing on Mars, if you want to be the the elite and you want to be the cream of the crop, you want to be the top team, you have to beat teams that you should beat. And Columbus, you know, um, LA last night in San Jose, Anaheim, you got to beat these teams. You have to. Um, and so it was good to see them get it done. Um, it was good to see them stick with it. Um, and like you said, they got off to a, a slow start there against LA, but then last night, it was like bang, 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 right off the right off the jump. I felt like Jim, big Jim Murray, you know, Rhymer, you bum. Uh, that's what that was last night, man. He talk about not starting a game right, James Rhymer. My goodness. Um, uh, how about this one? James Rhymer has no luck against the Boston Bruins. James Rhymer was in the game when Patrice Bergeron beat him uh, in one of the classic Boston Bruins moments uh, when the when the when the Maple Leafs were up on the Bruins. I think three goals or four goals. And then the Bruins just came back. He was in net that night. So every time James Reimer is in goal, I think that he's just a sieve. And uh, thank you, James Reimer, for uh, opening up those holes and allowing the Boston Bruins to find ways to win. And it's just, it, maybe it's one of those things people have that certain players have that against particular teams, but it seems like everywhere Reimer's been Carolina, Toronto. Uh, he just can't, I don't know if he just gets, gets the shakes or what, but he just, uh, and again, that's not really a good team out there in San Jose, but, uh, um, right. boy, when he, when he straps it up against the Bruins, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Another <laughs> Reimer game, you know? Yeah. Um, always bet the over. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, they get a four, two win, uh, last night against San Jose. And again, yeah, I made it two periods. I saw they were up. I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to call it a night, but, um, uh, and then uh, there is it uh, tonight or I guess tomorrow against uh, Anaheim. Nope, tonight. Uh, oh, it is tonight. Awesome. I'll stay up yeah, for that 830. one. 8.30. I can make that one. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> and again, another game they should win. Uh, I'm curious real quick. Do you think, are there any players on Anaheim that you're looking at in terms of possible trade partners? Because there seems to be this Boston Anaheim trade thing and there's been some talk back and forth. Is there anybody on that third, fourth line in Anaheim? Not to put you on the spot, but. Are there going to be any players or is that something you're going to be looking for when you watch the game tonight? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm more looking at the uh, Anaheim's defense, uh, you know, Cam Fowler and so on. Um, I don't know. Um, I really don't know much about the lineup, to be honest with you, Steve. Uh, I'm, I actually am looking forward to, like, watching a player like Trevor Zegras, former BU player and so on. He's just uh, very creative, you know, with the, the Michigans and so on. Um, but I mean, those teams like Anaheim are going to be, uh, probably targets where Boston's like going to want to call because sooner or later, um, they're going to pack it in and want to like build for the next year and, and get assets, uh, ahead of themselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I could see Don Sweeney definitely making a phone call because they have been, like you said, they've been trade partners before with Hampus Lindholm. Uh, but hopefully this, it's not first round picks that are, are being dealt out uh, to get a player out there. Um, hopefully it's more or less like a rental because this Boston Bruins team is a wagon and they, you know, 
there's there's a lot there's Stanley Cup potential here. Yeah, and I'm out on anybody named Richie. I don't want to Nick Richie, Brett Richie, yeah, right. Bob Richie, Jim Richie. I don't want any more Richies. I'm done with Richies <laughs> coming out coming out of Anaheim. Um, so one other thing that uh, I guess involves with all that we've already talked about. Uh, we talked about Jake DeBrust. We talked about the travel. Um, last night they dressed seven defensemen, and we've yet to see Chris Wagner. But Chris Wagner gets the call up from Providence. Um, head coach Jim Montgomery says he doesn't know much about him. Um, which I assume means that he's leaning on a guy like either Don Sweeney or, you know, he's asking the guys in the room, Bergeron Marchand about Chris Wagner. Uh, personally, I think once he gets a look at Chris Wagner, we'll probably see maybe the last of a guy like AJ Greer, because I think Wagner is, is sort of what they're looking, what they're looking for and what they need. And last I checked, I think he led the AHL in hits. Uh, but he doesn't leave the AHL in penalties, right? So that's that's important. I want a guy that can go out and play physical and not be sitting for two minutes. So, um, uh, again, he hasn't played yet, I guess, like you said, because that travel is such a gruel, it's such a grind to get out there. Um, Monty said he wants him to sort of get get up to speed with the travel and, and get his body clock right. So uh, do you think we'll see the debut of Chris Wagner this season out here in Anaheim? Two things before I answer your question. Sure. One thing is I had the breaking news on the um, on the Chris Wagner call up. Got got credit from a couple people. Didn't get credit from most. Uh, and I also got the uh, breaking news on the fractured fibula uh, before anybody else had it out there. So a little pat in my back because nobody seems to give me credit when I say anything. So screw them all. Mark's got the bat <laughs> phone. Mark's got the exactly. bat phone. Exactly. Um, but when you talk about Chris Wagner and, 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 a, and, a, and a road trip out West, you do want to bring in a guy like him. He's got the NHL experience, the pedigree, whatever you want to call it. Um, but more or less, he's there for a break glass in case of an emergency scenario. Um, you want to carry an extra forward because if you don't carry an extra forward, the call up is is virtually impossible to get across the country from Providence to California, uh, so it is good to have a player like Chris Wagner in the lineup just in case. Um, but it was weird that he wasn't playing, and the fact is that I found it very strange that they did go eleven and seven and give and it's like. All right, now you're going to give Jacob uh, Jacob Saboro a game because he needs one, but you're going to be down one forward. I just didn't understand that, and um, that's where I kind of would like to have seen uh, Wagner in place. But uh, Jim Montgomery, I think, mentioned or several sources have mentioned that Wagner uh, is most likely going to get into action um, tonight in Anaheim. So. Um, I don't know about the whole AJ Greer uh, part of your question, Steve. Um, I do know that when it comes down to massage and the salary cap, it's really difficult to be cap compliant. And to believe it or not, AJ Greer's $750,000 is a little more attractive to the Bruins lineup than Chris Wagner's uh, 1.8 million, whatever. I mean, I, I know it's, 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 it's pennies on the dollar when we're talking about the, the salary cap that way, but, um, you know, it's, and we do have, we do have a little bit of salary cap as well, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know if Chris Wagner is going to be a, that type of impact player that's going to like 
really wow anybody to to you know see if he's gonna um you know be a mainstay here yeah yeah i i just greer was one of those guys i've watched again skate around to the a and i was just sort of not i was kind of surprised he made the roster on opening day and maybe that's a part of the reason why is because of the price um you know that might be why he's there to begin with but um yeah we'll see we'll have to see how it all shakes out you know uh craig smith threw a wrinkle in that plan last night when he scored, finally scored a goal, got a beauty there. A uh, nice little rip top shelf. Again, one that Reimer should have saved, didn't. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how the bottom, the bottom of the roster all shakes out. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think, and by the way, Wagner, another former Anaheim duck. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Like bringing those guys in. <laughs> um, one, one thing last night did kind of bother me a little bit. And I know Jack and Brick talked about it in the broadcast. Um, you know, I think it was Forbort and Clifton got stuck out there for like three and a half minutes. You know, Taylor Hall's got a chance to clear the puck in just another half a stride. He would have got it over, um, yeah. you know, over the red line and he didn't. And then Forbort didn't want to come off the bench and the refs kind of freaked out. And I don't want to say freaked out. They just, you know, don't you know who I am? Go sit in the box and gave him a penalty for it. It was just a weird scenario, um, but a little bit more puck awareness. If you do that against a, a better team, you're in trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, so in, in a weird way, it was good. They had seven defensemen because they totally spent two of them on that one shift, but yeah. um, um, three, just a little bit, icing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Icing the puck is not, I icing the puck three times is not ideal. No. And that's one of the reasons why he was out there for so long. And I believe that Forbert going to the bench and sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting was just like basically posturing because he was tired. Right. And, Unfortunately, the, the the league or the officiating doesn't doesn't uh, like that, uh, and you know they got a bench minor, which I thought was I mean, I was a little dumbfounded about what was going on. More or less, it was the three icings and what happened with the bench minor that I was just like, what is going on this team? You guys need to figure it out. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just got to get better with um, you know, when you when you release the pocket and, and throw it in the corner, you know, you got to do it uh, after the red line, not before. And and the linesmen and the referees are usually super lenient with that. Like, like as picky as they are about the offside and the blue line, when you're dumping it in from the red line, they usually give you, you know, the benefit of the doubt. They'll give you a couple inches. They're, you know, they know you need a change and they'll kind of let you flip it in and get off the ice and keep the flow of the game going, which makes it all that more, I guess, egregious that it just, it was another half a stride. You got to get the puck over the red line. You got to, uh, before you send it down there. So definitely a weird scenario and nice thing. You're playing the sharks is it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> um, can we look forward a little bit here to the, uh, to the all-star game, Mark, uh, another good night for Linus Allmark last night. He's been named to the all-star game. Um, Jim Montgomery will be the uh, head coach. So uh, tip of the hat to him. Uh, well-deserved after the year that he's had. Um, Anything stand out to you from the rosters? Uh, do you, quite frankly, do you even care? I mean, the All-Star game is not always the biggest thing, but, um, do, you know, do you care about the All-Star game? Where do you think they're at right now? I don't care really about the All-Star game. And I I used to really get up for the uh, the skills competition, but that's just kind of, that's just kind of, in my opinion, went childish. More, so, and I'm, I, I, Exactly, silly. Um, 
yeah, it's it's more for the kids. It's more for you know the 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 next generation that want to see all these talented um, plays and tricks and so on. And I get it, uh, but it's a, it it's not like it was when when I was younger. Or we were younger and so on. Um, but it is good to have representation from the Boston Bruins, uh, and obviously Linus Almack and all the accolades that he's uh, accomplished this year in his second full season with the Boston Bruins has been nothing but tremendous. I mean, we talked about the stories about him and his, his, his and his struggles going through life with an alcoholic father and so on, and you know, and you know, being Swedish and coming to a new team, uh, especially from the Buffalo Sabres and that dumpster fire, which it was, and not so bad, not so bad these days, but it was pretty bad when he was involved. Um, but just coming to the team and working with a guy like Jeremy Swain, and those two were like blood brothers. Um, and, you know, what he's doing here in the crease, I have no, I don't think I've ever seen this in my life. I can date myself back to like the early 80s when, Pete Peters went on this like 30 game like tear and didn't lose a game, but that wasn't, that wasn't, that was an individual effort. And I know that uh, Linus is, is doing individual efforts as well, but with the way Pete Peters did it back then and what Linus is doing today is, is, is apples and oranges, to be honest with you. It's, it's just an amazing thing that we're seeing. And again, I cannot stress how, criminally underrated the goaltending um, uh, coaching is on in this organization because yes, the individual is doing all the work out there in the crease, but behind the scenes, it's a very, very uh, stern thing when it comes to teaching how to position yourself and so on. And, and, and kudos to uh, Bob Ascender and Mike Dunham for really, really taking this, this goaltending, um, development per se uh just to a, a whole new level how much credit do you give to uh to the defense because i in front of them because i i i feel like uh i feel like there have been breakdowns there have been big breakdowns and you need that big you need your goalie to bail out your two defensemen who changed too early or turned the puck over it was a lot been a lot of turnovers the last three or four days from guys like clifton and lindholm had a couple of them last night that were bad but you got the you got the save, you know. Um, how much how much do you attribute to the defense that's in front of them? A lot. I mean, this year I thought that the defense could use some work. You know, I was uh, let's put let's put it this way: in the off season, I was like, the Bruins need to make a trade. You know, um, whether because we didn't know if who the Connor Cliftons were going to show up, the Derek Forbes and so on. Some of these people. And players that we could have trade for somebody, got something or or made a package to get another defenseman in here. But I think that we're we're really good on the defense. We could use an upgrade. I, I'm not gonna say we 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 don't look. We, I'm not gonna say we're not 100 great. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the defense is is it has been really good because when it comes down to like uh, you know the, the goals against and so on, your defense play is a big part of that. And your goaltender is your last line of defense. So just to have Lenius and the way he's been playing, just just really stand out like that, it's just um, it's paying dividends on. I mean, are we really talking about, is anybody talking about 5 million for four years now? No. I don't think so. 
No, um, and even I, even I, I shook even I shook my head at that in the beginning because I, I I was I was of the you know you keep Dan Vladar and Swayman and you and you work the kids on short money while they have it. The deal didn't make sense to me at the time, and now it's it's obviously it's it was a good deal. It's paying off, you know, big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, real quick, back to I, I I'm kind of like you with the All Star game. I I don't know if we I'm just outgrowing it, but I mean the home run derbies. You know, 1999 in Fenway was awesome. The slam dunk competitions, even going back to more recently when Blake Griffin was jumping over Kia's. Um, the you know, the, the NFL, they're going to try this new sort of quirky, you know, skills competition thing. I, I just remember those things 10, 20, 30 years ago being like must watch TV. And I haven't watched a home run derby in 10 years. I haven't watched, uh, you know, a slam dunk contest in years. I just, I don't know if, I don't know if it's just because, you know, Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan took it so seriously or I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's because they all had a lot of money on the line back then yeah, on their exactly. side bets. But, um, yeah, just everything seems to be a little more quirky now. Maybe it's maybe I'm, it's like Disney movies. Maybe I'm just outgrowing them. You know, you hit that point in your life where you're like, all right, I don't need this anymore. It's for the kids. Um, I will say the only issue that I have, and it's a silly one, you know, but I, I teach – I teach a lot of marketing and the NHL I've always said, doesn't really do a, the best job of marketing. And, you know, again, as much as I don't care about this thing, they need to market their stars. And, you know, we saw that at the winter classic, it was all about Pasternak. It was all about, you know, Brad Marchand sitting at the desk with Paul Bissonette after the, after the game, you know, um, putting the, having the fan votes to get Bert, to get Pasternak into the all-star game to me is just silly. He's, you know, Who's more marketable to this league? Who's a better face for the league? David Pasternak or Dylan Larkin, right? With all due respect to Dylan Larkin, even the Islanders, I see Islanders fans. Well, you know, it's okay that Mar Matt Barzell didn't get in because Brock Nelson is really, my Matt Barzell is a star. He's a stud. He's a marketable guy. He's going to make you money, sell jerseys. Who sells more jerseys, Matt Barzell or Brock Nelson, right? With all due respect to Brock Nelson. Right. So, um, I think it's it's important for them to to realize what they are, uh, realize who their stars are, and market them. And I mean, you know, you'll have your Trevor Zegerses, I'm sure. But even if a guy like Trevor Zegers has a bad season, you still got to find a way to get him there. You know. Yeah. Um. So for something that I don't care much about, that is my hot take on the yeah. on the All Star game. Uh, no, I, Mark, I, I. Oh, go ahead. I totally get it. I totally understand what you what you're saying, um, and and yeah, the, the the league does have to do a much better job marketing. Now, we still do have the fan vote, uh, and David Pasternak could get, could get in there as well. And and you know who knows? I mean, even uh, Hampus Lindholm could could get in there too um, because he's been playing well too. Uh, so there's there's that. But it's but, the um, same. It's the same fan vote that let John Scott into this thing. Like that's when I was. That's when I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm like John Scott's an all star. I'm out. Like this is ridiculous. Like you people aren't taking this seriously, so I'm not going to take it seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think sometimes that the 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 all star game is kind of a farce, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Mark, you uh, would you like to uh, like to talk about our friends at Can I at Can I Wellness? Absolutely. Can I Wellness offers four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can I sleep? Can I mend? Can I fresh? And can I boost? It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts in four contact sprays, 
It's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on Can I Wellness Company to uh, support high performance. Let's talk about each product. Can I Boost allows you to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when studying for an exam, and other times when you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Can I Men provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. I know that quite well. <laughs> the unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can I Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation and need to calm down before a hectic day or after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can I Fresh take the edge off without making you tired or unmotivated. Can I Sleep? I use this as well. This is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid. It's convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage on how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Can I Wellness all-natural oil spray products, please go to caniwellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the caniwellness.com website. We thank Can I Wellness for sponsoring this episode and our weekly Boston Bruins-related podcast. Wonderful. I got to get, get on that. I got to get on the Can I Wellness train. I think yeah, it's good products. I, I use them quite. I use them quite well uh, in the morning and so on. I'm trying to get off the coffee kick, and uh, that's been something that I've been using a lot lately. And like I said, when I'm when I'm out on a school night and happen to have a, a couple few cocktails, uh, the uh, the uh, the can I mend is uh, something that I really enjoy. It kind of doesn't complete though. It doesn't take away uh, everything from the hangover, but it it really gets you to a place where you're able to work and function without, uh, you know, stepping sideways and, and having the boss uh, come over and ask if you're, if you're okay or not. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate uh, their support as always of uh, the black and gold hockey podcast. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier, a guy who had a great game a couple nights ago uh, and a guy who I'm just so glad to see is playing well as Trent Frederick. Um, an absolute pleasure down. I mean, my favorite, of all the guys I've sat next to in the penalty box over the years, he's my absolute favorite. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the Springfield penalty box when he was in Providence. Um, uh, but he's an absolute pleasure. A guy who I thought was just didn't know what to do with himself last year. Uh, he was just picking fights, getting dumb penalties. He would make the refs up, like the refs didn't want to deal with his nonsense. So he was always in the penalty box. Um, he looks like a totally different player this year. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's got a contract that's coming up too. So, um, what do you attribute most, do you think, to the turnaround of, uh, of Trent Frederick so far this season? I just think that I go back to the off season when, when, uh, Jim Montgomery came to the Boston Bruins team. And one of the things that he mentioned that he was really, really wanted to work with and see grow into, um, a more of an adult and more of a professional in the, in the NHL was was players like Jake DeBrusque and Trent Frederick. And I think that both of those guys, uh, particularly Trent Frederick, needed that 
that change in um in the message uh what what bruce cassidy was saying last year might not have uh, transcended to what is being relayed to this year we all you know the cliches are definitely out there when you say that uh, montgomery is a player's coach he's just more relaxing he gives you a little more freedom and so on those are all facts we're seeing we're seeing all the people that we thought had problems with cassidy last year really turn around their careers this season and trent frederick's one of them and i know that there's a lot of people out there that are not fans of him but those people are really turning around and seeing the positive things that this player can do yes he's he can take an occasional stupid penalty once in a while but not as bad as last season but what we're seeing also is his offensive capabilities, which I have said for years when he was when even when he was playing with the national program and, and Wisconsin and blah, blah, blah. Even in Providence, he was really good offensively. He could be a pain in the ass, like kind of enforcer type of a player, but also he could put the puck in the net. We're seeing him this year. I think that's because he's just getting a little more uh, uh, a leash, allowing him to be a little more creative. The guy's got an NHL release. He's always had that. And I'm just, I'm really happy for him. But the fact is that it is a contract year. Um, and I want to see, and I hopefully he can be consistent if the Boston Bruins uh, do offer him a contract. He does have uh, RFA rights. Uh, and I think it's arbitration too, by the way. Um, so I think he could come back on a, on a short term, short term deal and uh, more of a prove it kind of thing. Um, but I, I would like to see him back personally, just from what I'm seeing now, because my, it, it just looks like Montgomery is going to be here for a little while. So why not keep him a, a guy like Frederick too? He's only making a million dollars. I think that if he gets an increase, he'll probably get two to 2.5. I don't think it's going to be any higher than that because the Boston Bruins tend to not want to pay their, their bottom 12 players um, besides Charlie Coyle and, you know, other players. Let's all right. Let me, let me rephrase that. They don't want to play the fourth line players more than a million dollars or $2 million. So I would like to see Trent come back, but I just want to, I want him to be more consistent and just be that more all-around player if he if he does so. Yeah, I I, I think a part of it too is um uh I mean we talked sort of understanding his role. I just I I think when we talk about the fourth line, the fourth line has this stereotype, if you will, of you're out there to grind other people down, punch them in the mouth, you know. Uh it's gotta be a Sean Thornton, it's gotta be a Gregory Campbell, and I think you said, I think he's just, I think he's more creative. I think he's more of a skilled hockey player than just that fourth line oaf playing seven minutes. And of course that's not in reference to a guy like Thornton. Um, but I think having him on a third line and asking him to do more, right. If you just ask him to go on the fourth line and be a pest and punch people in the mouth, he'll do that. But asking him to go on that third line, play with Charlie Coyle, get creative, um, use a guy like Taylor Hall to your advantage, learn from him, find, find out what things he's doing to work on his own shot or his own speed or his, this or that, and the other surrounding him with guys like Coyle and Hall and asking more of him offensively, um, I think is a huge benefit to him. And I don't know if they asked for that out of him last year. 
You know, I don't know if they were, at, they were asking him, hey, we want you to go out and score some goals. Yeah, have, have, have a minute and a half on the power play. Like, I don't think they were, they were asking that of him. And now that they are, I think it's really working out for him. One of the best things, Steve, that I really like about this Trent Frederick this season is his versatility. We all knew that he was drafted as a center um, and then moved to the left wing. But what we're seeing in uh, Jim Montgomery's system is it allows Trent Frederick to even go to the right side where he's 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 not a right shooting winger and 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 still be productive over there. I just think that like what you're talking about just a minute ago, it's it's the pieces that are alongside Frederick that are making him better as well. You know, that's just that's just good growth for the for the individual and that line itself, because honestly, it, could you honestly go out there and, and think of and I know I'm putting you on the spot now. Could you honestly go out and think in the NHL right now of a better third line when Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick on the right or the left? Or if you flip Hall and and uh, Frederick, is there a better a third line out there? I mean, none that I can think of. Um, and, you know, maybe part of that growth for Frederick is looking at a guy like Taylor Hall and they're saying, Taylor Hall, we're going to put you on the third line. And Taylor Hall says, okay, sure. I'll do it. No problem. Whereas but he would he be, do that? Would he do that in New Jersey? No, would he have done that in freaking uh, Arizona? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think and, so either. And we, that starts at the top. You know, it starts with the Bergeron and Krejci and, you know, and all that. But, um, Playing with Taylor Hall is is great for Trent Frederick. Watching Taylor Hall find his own role, whether it's on the third line or whatever, is good for Trent Frederick. Watching how Charlie Coyle can have the puck and hold on to it and not only be creative, but also be able to muck it up in the corner, use his body. I mean, Trent Frederick's a big dude. People, I, people don't realize he's 6'2". Um, yeah. You know, Learning from those guys that are right alongside of him, I think is so huge. The only thing, and I'll bring him back up to it. The only thing I need from Trent Frederick is I need him to go with Sean Thornton and learn how to throw a punch because he keeps throwing <laughs> these wild over the top, like he's like he's on the schoolyard. And uh, his, I don't know what I don't. I've gotten punched in the face a lot, but I haven't done a lot of punching <laughs> in my life. I, I I I look at his his technique when he's fighting, and I'm like, he's just like Wild Bill out there. Like, he's got to get a little better form in his fights. But uh, it was nice to watch him pummel Brendan Lemieux the other night. I loved watching that guy get hit. Um, yeah, but I oh, yeah. I think he's I think he he's got such a benefit of the guys in that room, the guys on his line, and now he's got the trust from his coach. Um, I think he's in a good spot. I'm like you. I'd keep him around. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it just speaks volumes of the culture. You know what I mean? Like you you talked about Taylor Hall. We talked about Taylor Hall going down in his previously previous career to the third line, where a player like him and his you know notoriety of uh, oh I'm a former first round player and I'm this and that. Don't you know I who I am? Do, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't do third and fourth lines, but in this culture, this is a winning culture. And, you know, Taylor Hall is not on the, you know, he's not young anymore and he's not overly getting old, you know, but he's just in that part of his career where I need to buy into whatever the message is sent to me and just do it because this is what happens when winning happens, you know, and I just, I love the way his attitude is. And, you know, I, I, so many people outside the league or just, I mean, outside of Boston, when he came here, were just like, he's got an attitude. You're not going to like him. He's going to want to be traded if he's not happy. You know, 
I'm just glad that that whole narrative is now gone. And we have a Taylor Hall that is reliable no matter where you put him. First, second, or third line, you're going to get the best out of him. He might not look like the best and fastest uh, skater out there, but boy, can he move. And I'll tell you one thing that I'm really impressed about Taylor Hall this season is his back check. His two-way game has really, really stuck out to me. Yeah, and and, and I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's a, he's at the age, like you said, where it's a little bit of, of self-reflection. I mean, if Taylor Hall retired today, I think that he'd be people would be more apt to say that he underachieved over the course of his career based on his yep. hype and where he was drafted. And I, I was shocked to know that he has never scored 40 goals. I mean, that shocks me. I, I mean, he was he's never had never hit the 40 goal plateau. So um he was a league I, MVP too. Right. And but once, and he's never won a cup. So I wonder if that was a shortened season. Um, I haven't, I haven't pulled up here. He had, he had 39 in 17, 18 with New Jersey. He had 39 goals, 54 assists for 93 points. So, I mean, he did have, he was close to hundred points that year. That's probably the year he won it. Um, but you know, to, to not, I always just thought that the guy, you know, put the puck in the net, like it was nothing, um, for him to not hit that mark yet. Again, I'm not asking for him to score 40 goals, but isn't it about time that he became a critical piece on a Stanley Cup winning team, a Stanley Cup contending team? Um, I think he has the opportunity here to really um and yeah, it was 27-18 he won the he won the heart. Was that the year I was talking about? Um so maybe, you know, maybe that's a part of it too is a little bit of self-reflection like I really I got a legacy that I got to build here, you know? I I got a um yeah, he made the All-Star game and he won the heart that year he had 93 points for new jersey so in wow. 76 games which is which is pretty crazy so um I, I think they're i just i think this team's in a good spot i think all these guys are in good spots um they're all buying in you know um and i think that's something even us just sitting on our couches are starting to notice it's great yeah oh yeah this is a great time to be a bruins fan it really is it really is um now i know this was a, i saw this on twitter and i know this was kind of um, I don't know, people just losing their mind, but uh, we move forward here and talk about Fabian Lizell playing in the world juniors. And we, we talked on it a little bit. I, I expect a little more out of him playing with his peers. I like that he can go out and muck it up with guys a lot older than him, you know, grown playing against grown men in the AHL. He's done really well. I was expecting more from him against his peers. Um, but these, some people are talking about trading him. Some people are talking about he's a bust, get rid of him. I, I just, no way. There's just too much talent there. There's too much going on. Um, you know, what What do you think was sort of the reason for his underwhelming performance? Was it coaching? Was it teammates? What, what do you think? Any th thoughts off on the top about his performance at the WJC? I mean, going pointless in seven games on a Sweden team that, that did put the puck in often, often. Um, it was a little disturbing to see, but I'm not... I'm not going to, you know, bash the kid for not getting points in a tournament like that. Um, you know, they, they came in fourth. Sweden came in fourth, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's just the, the narrative out there is just, you know, when people watched him play, some folks said that he was, he was making impacts even though he wasn't scoring points. And I agree with that. There was some times that, you know, you could see his offensive capabilities come through. A little snake bitten on a couple posts and so on. Um, but I really think that Boston fans are just so, you know, fire from the hip 
type of folks that, you know, I mean, the Boston Bruins, they see that, you know, some the Boston Bruins fans see that, hey, we could make an improvement to go for the Stanley Cup. This would be a great piece to, to use. But they're also forgetting what the future would look like when the prospect pool, if that happens. You're taking steps back. Now, I'm not saying that Fabian Lysel is the next Wayne Gretzky and so on, but nobody knows that. We don't know what we have until he gets to the NHL. Um, but the other thing is, it's like Dom Tiano last week and told us that it doesn't matter what he's doing in a tournament like this. What you should be focused on is how he's playing against men in the American Hockey League, and he's a point-per-game player. You don't give up on something like that. Uh, legitimately, this is the right wing in our prospect pool is very weak. And it has been since David Pasternak was drafted. So you just don't want to give away a player like this. Um, and uh, I just think that we need just a little more patience, you know, and also the, for the ones that are like, uh, all right, so the World Junior Tournament is over. We need to get Lysel in the in the NHL as soon as possible. That's a, that's a, that's a no for me as well. I just think that he needs to spend the rest of the uh, season in Providence, where he is right now. He did not play in last night's game. Um, I'm not sure why, but uh, I'm, he might be into today's lineup. I'm not totally sure. Uh, the Providence Bruins have a game at 3 p.m. today, which I'm going to be watching against the Utica Comets. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to throw in the, the towel on a prospect like this. Uh, I just think that a lot of fans, they don't, put, they don't invest the time enough to really seriously watch him. Uh, in the American Hockey League or any of these tournaments that uh, he's been in. But when they do see a tournament as illustrious like the the, the World Juniors, which is an, an, an unbelievable worldwide coverage, and they see that, and it, it's a little disheartening for them. But just take a couple of breaths and step back and just let the guy uh, develop. He's 19 years old. you know. We haven't seen anything from him yet. We're going to see a lot more of him as he continues to develop. Yeah, and maybe it's the maybe it's the the recent draft history that makes Bruins fans lose their mind. And and I mean, I can I can get that, but you know, I I think he's too young to already give him the cold shoulder. I mean, I mean, it's funny. I just pulled it up between Jacob Forsback, Carlson, Jeremy Lozon, Dan Vladar. Um, the the amount of guys that they've drafted that are still here and productive are it's it's slim. But I think that's all the more reason to make sure that our prospect pool gets sort of uh, refilled, right? I mean, we, we can't just be dumping prospects to bring in, you know, 30-year-olds on on expiring contracts to win a cup. And as much as I'd like to, maybe we can do both. Uh, I, I'm not ready to take our, our top prospect and just say because he had a, a bad junior tournament, um, that's it. I mean, it's, it's funny, too. Somebody posted it, and I, I can't pull it up now, but um, – you know, the most points ever scored in a world junior. And a lot of those guys didn't make it either. So, yeah. you know, I, I, it's a good tournament to watch. It's a good tournament to get a, a, a feel for what the talent level is. It's like watching a call. It's like watching the NCAA March madness. It's cool to see these young kids go out there and ball. Um, but, you know, I don't think it, it, I don't think it's a barometer as to whether or not the, you know, the third string point guard at Kentucky is an NBA player. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. use that as, as the bar for what a player is regardless of the sport. So 
Yeah. Um, I do think it, it needs to be sort of honed in a little bit. And again, for those people uh, on the fence about Fabian Lizell, go to a game, go watch him in, go watch him in Providence, come to Springfield, come watch him play, uh, get in the building, get your binoculars, whatever you need to do, but watch this guy play. Um, the, I want to, I want to hear that first before you start saying we got to trade the guy. Tell me you're in the building watching the games. You know what I mean? Before you say you're going to want to trade him. So, yeah. um, yeah. And, and the biggest thing for me, too, is when, when people have the ability to go to these American Hockey League arenas and sit and watch, what, what you do at home is you're seeing on TV and where the camera goes. Watch this player with the puck, away from the puck, on the bench, how he's taking advice from the, you know, his attitude. You get character and so on. Biggest how he interacts thing with is, his teammates, all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. absolutely, absolutely. It's all a package that you really have to absorb into, and, and not just fire from the hip and go, "Oh, he got no points, but he's done. He's a boss and this and that." It's these. It's, it's I, I. I swear to God, coaches that I interview on the regular have always said to me, "It's not about the points that you do on the score sheet. It's about these uh, the the impacts that you make in the game." And I and I I will forever believe that. If you're not making an impact to the game, you're not developing properly. But the coaches, when they say that he is making impacts, tells me that he's on his way. And it's just you need to be patient on him. That's all. I agree totally. Um, so in a moment here, we're gonna we're gonna hear from our friends at Bet Online. Um, I, I do just wanted to bring up one other thing real quick, and um, I think I caught this on the NHL Network. They were talking about uh, uh, the kid from Canada. Uh, Shane Wright, Shane Wright, uh, just got sent back down to the, to the juniors and front next. And they, and, and they, it seems like Seattle almost demanded that he get traded to a team that can contend. I sort of got that impression. Um, same thing happening here with Brett Harrison, uh, who just got moved to, um, the Windsor Spitfires. Of course, Mark Savard is the head coach there, which is awesome. Um, does the NHL really, do NHL teams really have that much pull? in junior hockey to say this guy's my prospect you're a middling team i want him on a contender and our junior teams just do they just front load teams like midway through the season to make like the playoff runs more interesting like i just i'm not i'm not up to speed on how all that works but i found that interesting i think i was uh mike rupp was talking about that i think there's dialogue i don't think that the nhl teams set a precedent on where their prospects are to go and so on. I just think that there's this dialogue like, Hey, we're, we're, we're thinking about sending him back, but it would probably be good for his development and his character. If he was traded to a, you know, a team that's uh, going to go, uh, you know, win an OHL championship or even have a potential to go to the, um, the uh, Memorial cup, which is uh, an absolutely huge tournament up in Canada as well. All three, all three leagues participate in that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's dialogue, but I don't think that there's, there's um, you know, if we send them here, you need to trade them immediately. And if I'm not mistaken, I'll, I'll have to look look it up after we get done recording. But I think the timeline for the uh, the trades are done. So I believe he's staying oh, in really? Kingston. Okay, gotcha. I think so. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I wonder if that's why Harrison moved uh, when he did. Do you think that's a good move for Brett Harrison, who, again, is another great prospect the Bruins have here in the system? I do. I do. I think that uh, – and also it made an immediate Im impact uh, in his first game, uh, in his um, – I'm not going to say his first shift, but, you know, his first 
a little bit of time on ice under a Mark Savard Winston Spitfires team, got a goal. You know, I mean, I mean, Mark Savard, we we, we talked to um, Dom Tiano last week, and uh, I've been talking to Dom on the DMs and so on. And and Mark Savard was really, really wants to uh, load up this Winston Spitfire team and, and uh, you know, make a run for it. And, and I'm hopefully not going to piss Dom off when I say this. I'm not sure if it was, like, news to be – to be mentioned, but I think he said that uh, Mark Savard was interested in trying to get Matthew Poitra out of the Guelph Storm uh, to Windsor as well. And we had Matthew Poitra on this podcast uh, over the off season um, and talked to him a bit. Uh, but man, I mean, that would be that would be amazing just to just to have all those like kind of Bruins centric ties all into a, an amazing story like that. But no, I'm really happy about Brett Harrison and where he's at right now. Um, you know, his development is really good. Signed an entry-level contract uh, not too long ago. It's going to be, I think, his final year in the OHL and then probably go to Providence and 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 start to increase that center depth that we need. I mean, the Boston Bruins need to replenish their prospect pool, but obviously when you think about key players like David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, you want – and, and, and their potential retirement, you want to know that you have a comforting set of uh, prospects that are coming up the middle as well. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that with a lot of the guys they've drafted have been mostly center. You know, I, I believe Johnny Beecher was a center too, uh, mostly. So I know he played the wing last night, but um, yeah, I mean, it all starts down the middle. Uh, when you're talking forwards, your, your, your success, I think starts from down the middle. And that's why, that's why they brought back a guy like crazy, you know? Um, yep. And and real quick, wouldn't it just be great to if you're a hockey player to 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 play under Mark Savard? That just that yeah. guy just that guy just is so smart, and he seems now that he's retired, he just seems to love life, love what he's doing. Um, he's having a blast down there. Do you have any idea if he wants to take it up a notch, go coach in the NHL, the minors, or is he? I mean, maybe he's comfortable right where he is. From my understanding, I think he did reach out. I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna defer to Dom Ciano again uh, during the off season when the Boston Bruins were looking for a coach. I believe that Mark Savard actually put his name in the hat and reached out and said, you know, I would like to to be interviewed and so on. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but I mean, Mark's just another players' coach, much like Jim Montgomery. You know, you're gonna get the best out of your players because you relate well to them. You're not just a stick up your ass kind of coach. You go out there, do this, do that. You sit down next to them. You find out what's going on. You ask about their families. You know, there's a lot of good camaraderie that comes out of coaches like that. And when you do that, you get the best results out of these players. That's great. Yeah. I'd love to play for a guy like that for sure. Um, so we do also have, uh, we have a couple of voicemails on the listener hotline, which we will get to shortly. Uh, we also want to mention our Patreon uh, campaign as well. We'll have that coming up as well. But first, uh, we'd like to hear from our friends at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NHL, NFL, NBA, bowl season, esports, and World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sports or game imaginable. 
where the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorites, leagues, and events. Head over to the betonline.ag website and join to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive all these fantastic rewards after you make your first cash deposit. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. It starts where the game starts, start. Mark. Come on. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta defer to my friends, uh, Connor Ryan and Evan Marinowski. When they do that ad read, they always do the the Boston stats, yeah, that the that that New England accent. I love it. Oh, Shout out great. to those guys. Um, uh, great guys too, by the way. Uh, nice. Uh, t- Connor covered the Thunderbirds for Mass Live too, uh, way back in the day. Yep. So Connor's a real yep. good dude. Um. I say we go a little rapid fire here. We have three in- interesting topics, uh, and maybe we can go a little rapid fire on these. Um, deadline for the trade deadline, March third. Uh, Mark, you think the Bruins need need to make a move? You stand pat. Um, uh, it's so hard because it, it, March is a, a little bit of a, a ways away, but it's really not that far when you think about trading and. Me, personally, if I was a general manager, I would want to make a move as soon as possible to get a player or an asset involved um, to create that chemistry. The longer you have time to create chemistry, the better. I think that if you go right up against the trade deadline and then right to the end of the season, there's there's a possibility of, uh, of a chemistry builder and so on, and I believe that. But I just like that, the extra camaraderie that these guys will get out of that uh, particular player. Um, but I'm not sure where they're going to go with this. Um, you know, I, I think they're still trying to move Craig Smith in his, in his contract. I don't think that that's going to happen at all. I think that he's just probably going to end up walking to free agent, uh, free agency during the off season, because I mean, Craig could be a value to another team. It's his AAV that is not attractive at all to most, most teams. Uh, and that's that's a that's a real bummer for a player like him that's on the latter part of his of his um of his NHL career. Uh, defense wise, I, I, yeah, I, I could see an upgrade, um, but I'm not sure where that where you fit a, a player is in. Um, we talked about it last week with Dom Tiano. Uh, the 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 I don't know. The biggest focus right now would be uh, Matt Grizzlick. I mean, uh, I would like to see an upgrade for Matt. I like Matt and so on, and I get all the underlying numbers or the analytic geeky stats and so on that say that him and uh, Charlie McAvoy are a real good matchup, and and you know their potential is, is really good and so on. But I'm not I'm not one for potential and what could happen. I want to see results now, um, and, and that might sound greedy as a Boston Bruins fan sitting here with uh, 31 wins in 39 games, you know? Um, but there's, I think there's still improvements uh, that this Boston Bruins team could make. Um, whether it happens or not, it remains to be seen, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, my fear is that if they're going to bring in an impact player, the, uh, the money is going to be tricky. And the only way you're going to be able to make it work is to, like you said, to have to give up a contract like a guy like Craig Smith. And if a team's willing to take that on, they're going to need something else too. So now we're talking about Craig Smith and a whole bunch of picks or Craig Smith and a whole bunch of prospects or, um, and, or, you know, Matt Grizzlick and Craig Smith and a whole bunch of picks. So I don't, 
I don't really want to mess too much with that if we don't have to. Uh, I just think that their financial situation that they're in right now um, is going to make it super tricky to bring in a guy that's really impactful, that's cheap, right? I mean, most guys that are impactful and cheap, they're not going anywhere. So right. um, if you're going to make a move, you're going to have to, there's going to be a price tag on it and you're going to have to give something, you're going to have to make them take money too. And now you're going to have to add more stuff to the deal. And I, I, I don't think it's very necessary at this point. Um, Pasternak continues to score. Do we think, uh, do we think he can hit 50? Can he hit 50 goals? Can he hit a hundred points this year, Mark? Oh God, I'd love to see it, but man, man, every time he gets a goal, he just increases that value. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those things that you, you get tired of seeing online, uh, whether it be Facebook or, or Twitter, he scores a goal and uh, here you go. Pay the man, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I believe so. I think there's, uh, enough games for him to do so, especially if he keeps doing two, two goals each game, much like last night. Um, yeah, I, I could see it happening. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're not even at the 40 minute, the 40 game mark. He's already at 54 points. So I yeah, mean, that's... you know, it's, it's, we're halfway through the season. I, I could definitely see that happen. Um, I mean, 60 might be a stretch, but who knows? Uh, but still it's just, everything is just coming together for this player right now. And, and, you know, I, hopefully he's happy, I, you know, because I do want to see him back here. I think the biggest thing right now is, Everybody wants to just uh, have that comforting level of him signing an eight-year deal worth uh, $11 million. And that was reported by by Rich Keefe, by the way, uh, which was a little bit of a, a reach, in my opinion. Um, you know, a radio guy in Boston. I'm not sure what what his at, angle at a, was. At a, di- at a dying station that needs all the clicks they can get, right, by the way. Right, right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say... I didn't do it, but I kind of went on board with him and said, you know, it kind of makes sense that they do this now because there was reports that I've got over my desk here at the Block and Go Production Studio that Pasternak himself kind of put in a December 31st kind of de- kind of deadline. Like, hey, I would like to have a deal done by by now. And, um, you know, they continue to uh, uh, both sides. I'm not saying it's Don Sweeney and the organization dragging their feet. It's both sides. J.P. Barry, his agent, has been notorious for dragging his feet in contract negotiations. Um, several of his previous clients have even gone to uh, June, the last day of June before free agents started the next day to get a deal done. And I don't want to see it go that far because if David Pasenak at that point test free agency and another team comes in we, we lose a player like that for absolutely nothing now on to you let me ask you something steve when it comes down to march 3rd and nothing is happening what would you do at that point because now the player has pushed the, the organization into a corner where we're not sure if this player is going to be around if he tests the free agency we need to get something for him. So, where where's your gauge level on on this whole con, uh, contract negotiation? I mean, I don't want to sound ludicrous here, but if you're if you're looking at 
a team that wants to make Pasternak the face of the franchise and they have a ridiculous comp- contract offer on the table that you know that you're not going to match and you're looking at the possibility of getting a top five pick, I wouldn't take it off the table. I mean, you can somehow get your hands on Connor Bedard because, you know, as long as it's not Montreal, don't go to Mont, don't put him to Montreal. That would just be a heartbreak. But um, I mean, if they're, like you said, I, it annoys me that the agent likes to wait till the last minute. Um, if there's no movement there, no discussions, if you, if you're way off in your negotiation in terms of numbers and Arizona or somebody like that, or San Jose wants to, wants to throw their, all their, because Arizona has got more picks. They know what to do with. So they're yeah. going to throw you two or three first round picks, you know, and there's looking at a guy like Jacob Chikrin. I mean, would you, would you go Pasenak for Chikrin in a couple firsts? You're swapping first round picks. I don't know. I mean, but I would, I wouldn't take anything off the table. I really wouldn't. Because like you said, the worst case scenario, and we've seen this happen in Boston all the time, is you lose a guy for nothing. And I, by March 3rd, I'd like him either signed or I want to be picking up. I want to, I don't want to pick up the phone, but I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear what you got. You, you want a new face of your franchise, Arizona, like I said, put him out on the West Coast where we don't only have to see him twice a year. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't take it off the table. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if 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 it comes down to that, and I, I think it's gonna be more than just one pick for a player like David Pastor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could probably get a 2023 and a 2024 and a, a really good prospect in, in in another team's pool. Um, and maybe even a player, a roster player. Uh, who knows, but it's just, um, it's just one of those situations that you don't want to think about, but you're coming down to the, like the, the witching hour when you do have to start thinking about that. And you know, this fan base is just so trigger happy and so on that they will absolutely torch the, uh, or the organization for not getting something done. I mean, I don't see why you can't move him. Like you said, you get a couple, you get a couple picks and you can get a guy, you said a young prospect. I mean, heck, I take it. I take a JT Miller, Patrick Line. I mean, they're going to the playoffs anyway. So let's get somebody who, uh, I mean, my my gripe with Pasternak was always sort of on the defensive end, and you know, the playoffs come and everybody seems to play more physical and they go harder and they go stronger, and that's not really his his area of expertise, right? He's more finesse, more um, you know. It seems like when he does try to play harder than himself he ends up in the penalty box so um, or turning the puck over or turning the puck over so i mean if you can if you can get yourself a guy who can hop on that second third line who's six three and built like a fire hydrant then i'm fine with that too um but that's not what i want i want i said 11 11 years for eight or eight years for 11 million 88 for 88 that's what i would do you know, um, we do have uh, a couple of voice messages. And again, uh, you can give us a call uh, anytime. Our listener hotline number 978-504-2727. Um, you got a hot take. You have a question for us. Reach out anytime you want. And uh, we will answer that right here on the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's uh, let's fire those off, though, if you got them, Mark. I do. So this is Ben, and he works at uh, with us at Black and Gold Productions. Thank you very much, Ben, for the phone call, and uh, here he is. Hi, this is Ben. I am just wondering if Chris Wagner, since he's called back up to the Bruins, if he can 
if he does really well, do we think he's going to be staying in Boston for the long term? Unfortunately, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe so. I think that his call, recall was just for the pure fact of having a body um, with Boston when they go out to the uh, the West Coast. Um, Wagner already cleared waivers earlier this season, so to go down, he wouldn't have to go through the process again. Uh, this is very common for teams to do this when they're away from their uh, minor pro affiliate to, uh, to kind of load up a little bit for that break glass in case of emergency. I know we talked about it earlier in the program. Um, but there's always that wow factor, too. You know, I mean, Jim Montgomery seems to be a very impersonable uh, head coach. Uh, but if you put it, if you lay it out on the ice, it's hard for a, a coaching staff with him involved to not notice um, good things happen. And so um, I'm, I'm going um, on the higher end of it not happening, but I'm not saying it can't. Yeah, I'm if you put the money all aside and all things like that, I would take Wagner over AJ Greer. Um, I I just think he he has more to offer, and I also I think Wagner's been a really good soldier. Uh, he's been a real good soldier over the last year and a half, going up, going down. Um, I think he's an NHL player in the AHL, um, and I think that's mostly strictly due to there's no room and the money. So I think he's been a good soldier. Put all that stuff aside, I would rather him over AJ Greer. But like you said, with all the other things that I want to take out of the decision that are actually real. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he'll stick around. All right. So the second one is Gail and Gail works with us as well at the black and gold production. She's a, a Bruins writer and also um, does a lot of uh, Bruins alumni uh, as a media member as well. So here's Gail. Hey guys, it's Gail from black and gold production. Um, the question I have for you guys today is, how do you feel about teams that are quote-unquote tanking for Connor Bedard? Do you feel that that is something that you would want to see as a Bruins fan if the team was, say, as bad as Montreal or Chicago? You know, all the teams that are going to be in the lottery, would you want to see them tank games to increase their chances of getting the number one pick? Look forward to your answer. Have a great show, guys. Thank you I mean, very much, Gail. I, I would, if I was in that situation, uh, yes. And I don't, you know, is it like, is it the best thing for the sport to necessarily do? No, but and the, the other thing is, is I want to make sure that I really trust my GM. And I, I'm still, I'm still not really sure what I'm getting with Don Sweeney, but I mean, I grew up, a massive Steve Eisenman fan. So maybe I have this ingrained in my head, but what he's done in Detroit, that team is going to be an absolute wagon in a couple of years. Whether we talked about Ottawa, uh, who, who really, and again, you don't even have to tank just for Connor Bedard, but if you, if you're trading off your assets, like, like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, you're loading up on draft picks. You can hit on some of those draft picks and you can get your to and your Drake Batherson's and your Tim Stutzla's and, and you can build it that way. For me, it would have to be more than just sucking to get one player like Connor Bedard. You're going to need more than that. Ask Arizona, who's been trying to do that for <laughs> my entire lifetime since I came <laughs> into the league. Um, so I, I think having the one guy is not enough. But if you can, if I'm Chicago, I'm, yeah, I'm loading up on, on first round picks for the next two years. 
uh, doing the best I can and then hoping that you end up like Detroit is now, which I think I, I think right now they're in the playoffs. Um, and I think that they're cooking. I think they're going to be, like I said, a real problem coming up. And I, I mean, I look at a team like Florida, who I knew really well because they were the Springfield affiliate for a long time. They're on the other end of it. They've had all these high draft picks. And, you know, Grigori Denisenko and Alexi Heponiemi and all these other guys that just aren't producing, right? They're just not – they're going to be a middling team. I, I was shocked they were as good as they were last year. I think that they'll be middling for the next five years because I don't think they've drafted well. They've had the assets, but they haven't drafted well. So um, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I'm glad I'm not in those situations. I'm glad I'm not in Vancouver, Chicago. I'm glad we don't have that problem here. I am not a fan of tanking, to be honest with you. And and I'm actually really glad that uh, the league has stepped in to kind of um, mediate the, the the factor of it happening. Um, they, they you know they do have the uh, the balls in the in the um, in the in the lottery thing the lottery, and so yeah. on, and and that really decreases the fact is for teams to like really go out and and actually tank because even teams know that there's no 90, 95, 100% chance that they're going to get a player like Connor Bernard. You're going to have to go through that process of, you know, that certain percentage of how many balls are in the, are in the, uh, the lottery. Um, so I'm kind of happy that the, the league stepped in and did that, but I'll tell you something right now, after watching the world juniors this year, whoever gets Connor Bernard is a very lucky franchise. You know, and and honestly hope a player like that goes to a team that can nurture him and his talents and 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 just make him happy and so on. Uh, because he is a very, very uh just a already, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's 17 years old. Cause he was wearing a uh he was wearing a bubble shield. So in 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 junior tournaments like that, if you wear that bubble shield, you're under 18. So this is just something that he's a generational talent right now. And he absolutely blew away the scoring record that Jordan Ellerby, Eberle, Eberle, yeah. sorry, yeah, uh, had uh, many years ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of tanking. Um, I hate that word, actually. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You got to, uh, you know, rules are meant to be broken. And, and teams in the past have done that several times and so on. But. Like I said, it's good that the league has come in and done something about it. Uh, I do want to just say thank you very much to Ben and Gail uh, for these voicemails and also uh, to our awesome listeners out there. Please take advantage of this. Um, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, we're, Steve and I work really hard during the week to get uh, topics together and so on. But having your voices and your questions and this added audio is just really good for us because we could sit back and kind of you know, get a feel of what uh, the, the fan base in Boston is uh, is feeling. So uh, we appreciate the calls and please keep them coming. And, and just one other quick thing on that, and I'm, I'm pulling it up really quick, but I mean, you look at a team like Edmonton, right? And Edmonton, they obviously had to hit the jackpot with, um, you know, with McDavid. Um, but it's it's more than that. Like they've like like the dry side of what number three. McDavid went number one outside of that, you know, they took Jesse Puglia Yarvi with the four, you know, number four overall. He's, you know, adequate at best. Uh, Kaylor Yamamoto, who is a decent player, but 
I mean, we even look at Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and they're not exactly they should be better than they are based on where they've selected over the last however many years, having all these high draft picks, they should be better than where they are. And without McDavid or Dreisaitl, I don't think they'd be very good. So you can get a Connor Bedard all you want, but if the rest of your team is, is mismanaged and the rest of your assets are mismanaged, it's, it's only one guy. It's only one guy playing, you know, this is, this is, this isn't football where you just get the best quarterback and you have a chance. Like you, you need more than just, McDavid or Bedard or you know whoever it is so just something to keep in mind that that tanking for one guy is not exactly uh not exactly enough to get it done at least uh, for the long term um we do want to mention our uh Patreon campaign and other things that we have going on as well Mark do you want to touch on that for us yeah we do have a Patreon campaign and uh, this is where our listeners or anybody even if you don't listen uh uh, and our YouTube viewers obviously can get involved in, and it's a dollar per episode. And what we do is we take half of that and we pay uh, the the bills here at the uh, Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company, and the other half we go into buying hand signed jerseys to give away every month. Uh, and this month we are giving away this hand signed Jerry Cheever's jersey, wow. fully authenticated. This is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Bruce Sullivan, I work very closely with. We'll hear from Bruce Sullivan in a moment uh, as he is back with uh, uh, a little bit of a commercial for his company. But uh, yeah, fully hand-signed. Everything's legit. Uh, He's got pictures. He's got videos. Um, These players come to Bruce's house at his kitchen table and sit there and shoot the shit, have a couple beers, and and they sign stuff. So... Um, get involved. It's just a dollar. We've given away uh, a Ray Bork prize pack in October. We gave away an Andy Moog hand-signed jersey in November. We gave away a uh, Derek Sanderson hand-signed jersey in December. And this month is uh, is Jerry Chivas. So if you want to get involved, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. And it's just a dollar, folks. That's it. That's awesome. And I mean, again, really, if you like, if you like the content, I mean, I hate to put it this way. We live in the world of Spotify where we get all your songs for free. And you know, what does the artist get out of it? You know, I don't know about you. I'm old enough to have to buy CDs and have to buy things. I got, I got 39 days worth of music on a hard drive that I paid for. So, um, you know, it's nice to get stuff for free and we're glad we can provide it for you, but you know, kicking it, kicking it back to us. And Oh, by the way, getting yourself, uh involved in the in the raffle is pretty awesome too so uh we appreciate everyone that's that's done that for us and um and did you say you have something from bruce that you wanted to run yeah i do actually uh why don't we hear from bruce sullivan right now because he he has a a a homemade commercial that he does um um once in a while i think he's going to get more involved but let's hear from bruce and we'll hear on the other side Happy New Year, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. On December 30th, we hosted 1980 Olympic hockey gold medalist and MVP Mark Johnson. Take home a Johnson autographed jersey with inscription for just $149, a puck for $65, or a photo for just $59. 
on January 23rd, we host Bruins legend number 24, Terry O'Reilly. Take home an O'Reilly jersey for just 79, a photo for 29, or a puck for 34. We also host 2011 Stanley Cup champ and the enforcer, Sean Thornton. Take home a Thornton jersey with inscription for $89, puck for 34, or photo for 29. To learn more about our dozens of hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, and we're back. We just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He those fantastic items. Sean Thornton and and is is another one that I'm excited about getting a jersey for folks to win here. So that is in the making. I'm going to buy a, a Sean Thornton jersey. And I think that's going to be really popular and hopefully we can get some money out of that to obviously help us at, here at the uh, Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. Spice up the fan cave, um, people. You need it. You need it. Get rid of your Celtics. Get rid of your Red Sox. Get rid of your Patriots. Black and gold, baby. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, this has been a blast. This is uh, this has been a great episode. I can't tell you. I know this is whatever now four for me, but this is a this is a, a nice part of my weekend. I love sitting down, and talking this, talking some uh, talking some Bruins, getting together. Um, and uh, I look forward to next week too. You have any any parting words? Any parting hot takes? Anything you want to leave us with today? No hot takes or anything like that, but I do want to mention that we are looking for more uh, content creators here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. Um, if you would like to start writing about the Boston Bruins or any level of the organization from the NHL down to the prospects worldwide, we welcome you, please. We'd need we we'd love to have more writers. We love creating content here. Uh, we have a very good group. We have 30 writers. We have a podcast network. Um, and, and we have just a real good team that we want to keep growing. Um, so, uh, if you, if you want to start a Boston Bruins related podcast or an NHL news related podcast, please reach out, uh, either individual with a family member or a group of friends get together once a week. If you have the time to, to produce content once a week, please get in touch with me, um, and send me an email with a cover letter and an idea about what you'd like to do for uh, Bruins content. We're also looking for YouTube creators as well. Uh, so the email is black and gold productions, LLC at gmail.com. Um, talk to me. I mean, I'm always open to, to bring on some more people and uh, keep this uh, Boston Bruins content train going. And, and, it, you know, and I, I kind of teach journalism too. And I know it seems a lot of overwhelming, especially for young, young people, but like, it's so simple to start. You're watching the Bruins game. You've opened up the notes on your phone and you just, just start typing about random things that are going on in the game. And then after the game, you can take those thoughts, those ideas, and you can put them into complete sentences and you have written an article, right? You can um, take those points that you noticed in the game and you put them in sort of an outline and that's how you do your podcast. Right. So that's sort of, that's what we do. Right. So um it, it, it might seem overwhelming to, well, you know, I'm not a turn. I didn't go to the new house school in Syracuse. Well, you don't have to. I mean, you really don't. Um, if you're sitting at home watching these games, that's all you got to do really is just take out your phone, take a couple notes, write down what you're seeing throughout the game. 
and it's a great place to start. So if it's something you always wanted to do, but you don't know how to get started or, and by the way, feel free to reach out to me about that too. Um, Cause I, I do, I kind of teach that stuff. So uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter anytime. If you're looking for some helpful tips as to how to get started, sometimes with anything in life, getting started is the hardest point. The hardest part is to open that door. Um, hit me up. I'm happy to help. Yeah. And if the biggest, the best thing about this whole thing is we don't, we don't force topics onto our writers or content creators. We allow them to be creative. You know, if you have something that's Boston Bruins related, whether it be analytics, history, um, a pregame, postgame, uh, or anything that's just related, it's all welcome here, you know? Uh, and that's one of the biggest things that I really wanted to do was by starting this company was to give that creative option to these people out there that, that want to learn more about writing and so on, you know, and if you're not a very good writer and punctuation and spelling might be a little bit of an issue, Grammarly.com, a paid version of Grammarly is huge. Uh, it really helps uh, editors out and so on, but it also uh, allows co uh, quality content to go out as well and not, not get hammered by the grammar cops out there in the internet. Because those people like are me. such a pain in the ass. I'm, I'm such a word. I'm such a word nerd. I can't even. I can't even tell you. It drives me nuts. Twitter drives me bananas. Nobody can spell anymore. My students don't know how to spell. I'm like, guys, come on. Oh my god. I think. Um, I think Steve. My pet peeve is when people spell Frederick. Oh my god. It's like there's no K. Mine is when the people say they're a loser. There's yeah. only one L. There's only one O in loser. Come on. It drives me nuts. Oh god, that's too funny. Well, Mark, it's been a blast as always. Um, Unbelievable show. Enjoy the rest of the, the, the day, the week. We'll uh, glad you guys are feeling better after getting the Rona. That's just the worst. Yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah. certainly take care of yourself over the next week and uh, be back doing it again. Absolutely. And before we go, I just want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsors. BenOnline.ag, please use the promo code uh, CLNS50. Can I Wellness, please use the promo code BNG25 to save yourself 25%. Uh, site-wide and obviously we just heard from bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia hit him up because uh send him an email ask him what he has in his inventory and i'm sure he'll help you uh get something for that fan cave because like i said you absolutely need it it's great well thanks everybody for tuning in as always we appreciate every listener every click every every time that you're interested in us it it, uh, it warms our cold dark hearts so um uh, we appreciate it we'll catch up next week Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.